the, no, just the microphone. Not like the whole mic stand like I'm Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> just rip it off half of it? Yeah. I wonder if that's true or they just did that for the movie. No, he definitely, I mean, but had But is that it. why he started oh, doing it? Oh, why he did it? Yeah. Wait, I didn't see the movie. What was the scene that did happened? Did you not see the movie? No. I watched it on a plane back Without from New Zealand. Me. Without Well, I turned to Tom. Tom was, it doesn't matter why, but he was a few seats away from me for our 14-hour flight. And I turned to him at one point and I was like, hey, I'm going to watch the Queen movie. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. Well, and so I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. No. And then later he was like, oh, I thought you meant like a period piece about the Queen. I, <laughs> and thought, I was like, why would I watch that? No, I thought it was The Crown. I thought you were going to watch the show The that, Crown. No. I know you said The Queen movie. I just <laughs> the Queen I was movie. pissed off because some lady wouldn't give up her seat because I so I could sit next to my wife. And that was just... A whole other story that we'll get into later. My wife. My wife. <laughs> get away from get my away wife. Get away from my wife. <laughs> she just sat in between you two? No, she had oh, an okay, aisle we're seat. Into I had it. a middle seat. Tom had an aisle seat right next to her. They both had aisle seats. I was in a middle seat. So he asked to switch aisle seats, which is like the most reasonable request so of all logical. time. And she was like, I really like this seat for 14 hours. So yeah. I got to sit next to her for 14 hours. Well, and the best part is I was sitting next to a couple on my right side, so they weren't going to switch. And they were like, after I asked and she said no, the, the, the wife of the couple looked at me and she said, wait, she's not going to switch with you? Yeah, it was, <laughs> was against like, all normalcy. Guess she just really wanted that seat is what she told me. She, she was said, a mean old really hippie lady. Please tell like me her. you just yelled over her the entire I flight. I did for the first <clears throat> half. I was like, hey, Tom. Anyway, I watched that's the Queen movie like, without him. <laughs> that's when you like develop a cold and you just start sneezing just all over her. <laughs> I just used the armrest and I passive aggressively used like both outlets. I was being real, real just sassy wind for the whole 14 time. hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long it's like you it's a long time to hold a grudge um but yeah so i watched the queen movie um i thought it was great yeah i didn't i still haven't seen it which is kind of crazy um because I, I usually love those seeing. kinds of movies yeah. you know but it's, um it's good and, and there's a scene in the beginning where he's like starting off as a singer and uh he's like messing with the mic stand and he can't figure it out and then he breaks it and then he just goes with it so he's just holding the top half and i'm like Oh, is this fabricated? Or can't, that can't this, be real. Is can this it? like an easy way to explain? It's not easy to break a mic stand. It was like one of those that. shitty, like um, straight up and down ones. Oh. So these are booms that bend, but this was like an old school. So mm. I think he just pulled it out by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was like laughing at him, and he just went with it. But I think it was a little theatrical. I think it was like a movie moment where they're like, "This is how we'll do it." Like I don't know. Yeah, there were a lot of movie moments in it, and that's part of what you know kind of jaded me about it like the whole I, from what i hear because i didn't see the movie again but from what i heard is they talk about how he got aids like or he was hiv positive i guess like right before the live aid concert yes and then the, the moment was like super poignant and everyone's like staring at him perform like oh my god this is so amazing but it was like he from what i hear he didn't actually do you know mean announce had it, it? He, oh. didn't, he didn't announce it to his band and then they played that epic show. Th that's, yeah, like, it's and very that kind like of thing, It's movie. just a little unforgivable for me for some reason. The small details. Yeah, yeah. the devil's well, in the details. Well, that's a pretty big detail though. Yeah, because um, he, I mean, he didn't, I, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, maybe people could email me. Um, they will. At Radio Keys. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Keys Music at gmail.com. Gmail. Um, Come for us. But I'm pretty sure he didn't even know about it for another few years. So it's like... It just completely, 
I don't know, it inflated the, the moment to something it didn't need to be because the moment was already so incredible. The Live Aid was already their reunion. You don't need to inflate and, it more. Yeah, they did a gorgeous job of Live Aid. I'd watch it just for just for how they recreated that yeah. perfectly. Like, it's sort of obsessive the way they recreated it and, like, his performance, and it's pretty Yeah, exciting. he has all the Budweiser's or whatever on the... Yeah, on <laughs> all the, the old-school 80s cups, cans, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, re- I recommend. I recommend it. I would. I, w- I do want to watch it. It's like one of those. I I want to watch that one, and I also want to rewatch Walk the Line and Ray. I was gonna I say. Seen those in a while. So I was. This is nerdy. I was watching uh, Oscars. I was getting ready for the Oscars last week, and we, I was watching. We went big for the Oscars. I was watching Oscars like opening monologues. So I was watching like Billy Crystal and like uh, Ellen and like all these people that did opening monologues and there's one and it's the year that it's the same year that Ray and walk the line came out and they, I think it's Steve Martin makes a joke about, or maybe it's Chris rock. Now I can't remember, but they make a joke about walk the line and they're like, you know, Ray with white people and they scan to Joaquin (laughs) Phoenix and he looks so pissed off. (laughs) And and you're like, Ooh, stark (laughs) difference in his speech about like, I know. Anyway, but anyway, I would, I, I, I remember those coming out around the same time. And I remember walk the line and Ray both coming out around the same time. Johnny cash and Ray Charles, died i feel like it was like 2004 2003 like around it was right around that it was when we were in high school i remember that I because I ray charles really got me into that kind of soul music before the ray movie i honestly i listened to a little bit of the like the temptations and stuff like oh, that yeah. in like 50s pretty much like white well, we 50s rock and roll music maybe yeah. like a little bit of chuck berry but mostly um Elvis and you know those kinds of kind of whitewashed rock and roll bands in the 50s and then when Ray came out I just started kind of diving into yeah Stax records Motown way more and got more into the soul side of things which is kind of I mean I, should we should we get into it right now or should we oh I was like? really <laughs> quick I was gonna say I think I probably got into Ray Charles because you showed me Ray Charles but I also have a very specific memory I used to go to half price books and buy their like dollar records. And I'd also buy these really shitty little CD compilations. And I got a blues compilation and it had Billie Holiday's Solitude. So it's the first time I heard her. I think I was like 16. And uh, and it had some weird Ray Charles songs on it. Like some kind of, I think, <sighs> I wonder who's kissing her now. I guess that's not a weird song, but it's like earlier. And so that's my first memory of, of him before the before the film. But I never yeah. like really wanted to do a soul scream until I heard Ray Charles doing them. Oh, and I was like, Oh God, I want to do that so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of Jim Morrison doing like the crazy screaming and, and like, uh, you know when that? the music's over and yeah, that's a great comparison. Stuff. I never think of Jim Morrison as soul screaming, but like His what else would you call that? Like, it's so intense. Uh, it was, it was just like a blood curdling scream. Like he had an intent. He, his was a little different. Like James Brown, Otis Redding, Ray Charles, um, God, those guys all had incredible soul screams, but Jim Morrison's was a little bit different. His was like a little bit His more was a little like, s- like scary. Yeah, a little murder, more murdery for <laughs> more sure. Murdery. A little more true a little crime, creepier. Yeah. Um, a little more, almost like uh, like something out of a, a play, you know, like acting. It didn't sound like the soul screams. I think of as more like musical, and his was more just like yelling. I don't know. Yeah. That's a lame way to put it, but. 
But it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. The solo yeah, thing. we we've talked about it like practicing in your car because it's <laughs> you're gonna do twenty million terrible sounding soul screams and then. Well, I have the benefit <laughs> of recording in you know the the old Red Room studios and now the uh, what was the Red Red Room Purge Pur- Palace or Pur- something. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to come up with oh your little uh, office Purdly presents. Oh, Purd. Um, that's my cat. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get to do it alone, so that's a lot better. Like you, yeah, you get have to, to do alone. stuff in front of me all the time, which is, I mean, you trust me and I trust you, so it's a lot easier. It's easier to kind of let go, but I'll tell you, like when I was doing those weird talking things in sweet soul music, I've never felt more foolish in my life. <laughs> I just had to talk gibberish, basically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't <have> to, <laughs> you don't have to speak in tongues for it. You can, you can actually say things. I was actually saying some things, and then I was just like, yeah, because it's like basically background noise. Anyway, now I'm giving away all our secrets, but I felt really silly doing that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, but yeah, your soul screams in, uh, I think talking, talking sound great. Yeah. Stumbling. I mean, There's not no- stumbling. I'm sorry. Tom coming in hot. Stumbling. Where's the soul screaming? Stumbling, no, Tom, is it? Stum- it's not in stumbling. That's a woo. That's a Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. I think you're thinking of talking. He goes, Whoa! I do it a little bit yeah. and let it shine, but it's a really quiet one. Ooh, I, the only one I think of ta- is talking, but I could be wrong. Someone correct me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have any catch up to do before? Well, we just had um, another show at Jam Sellers, which I'm sure our, our listeners are tired of hearing us talk about how amazing <laughs> we Jam love Sellers it. is. But it was another really phenomenal show. It was one of those shows I was like, um, for me anyway, it felt almost like being on tour because... Um, Amber and I went into Napa Valley like way early around like, four. Oh, yeah. we got there at like four o'clock yeah, Saint Helena. and then we went to St. Helena and we had like a little Valentine's day dinner and, um, goose and gander for anyone who doesn't know. Incredible. The, the best restaurant Incredible. ever. I miss being living three blocks. Tom and I at our dinner, uh, cause we ate dinner next door. We had a chat about like things we miss about living in St. Helena and things we don't miss about living in St. Helena and things we don't miss is a lot of like driving you know uh sleepy town that goes to bed at 9 p.m like a lot of things like that and then things we miss like being able to walk to places like some of the best restaurants in like california i would argue in the wine country like come on and it's it's just one of those things like for example napa valley wine if you let's say you live in ohio and you just oh, drank I met these people, yeah. wine from Ohio your entire life. Well, they're getting like Safeway shit. They're getting Robert Mondavi and... Yeah, but let's you say know. you're doing that. Yeah. So you spend 30 years plus just drinking some wine that you think is great. You're like, I love wine. Well, it's, it's your only impression of wine. And then you go to Napa Valley <laughs> and you're like, and you're oh, just like shit. oh my God, I had no idea that there was this different thing, this yeah. different quality of wine, it's like going to San Diego and having Mexican food or something like that, or going oh, to Mexico. It's and like having, having Taco Bell your whole life and then having. It's why I have to. <laughs> I had to explain to people when I was a wine educator, like they're like, why, why does this cab cost eighty dollars? And you know, Robert Mondavi cab. I I keep shitting on Robert Mondavi. Um, I'm <laughs> trying to think of like another like Yellowtail. I don't know, like what yeah. people drink. Carlo Rossi. Why is that so cheap? And then this is so much, and I'm just like, oh, there's so. But, I won't go into it. There's so many cuisine, factors, but yeah, it's cuisine. It's, I sound like such an ass. Food, <laughs> the, <laughs> <I can>. the cuisine. <laughs> food, cuisine. 
can also be like that. Yeah. And when we eat, every time I've eaten at Goose and Gander, it's like, like I didn't know that steak could taste like this. I didn't yeah. know that a mushroom soup could taste like this. Even it's just fries. so freaking good. Yeah, they're duck fat fries. It's anyway. Ridiculous. Um, we're getting, we had, so I was there for hours and hours, about four and a half hours before we started playing. So it got felt to like walk a, all around Napa and do the whole thing. Yeah, it felt like an out-of-town gig. And another reason it feels like an out-of-town gig is because uh, we don't bring anyone to that gig and we're not really expected to. We have in the past. I've brought Napa friends to that gig, but like that it doesn't rely on you better bring 20 people or you don't get paid kind of thing. It's like you're getting paid either way. This is what you're getting paid. It's the worst. We're not charging at the door. We're just going to have people walk in. And it's a great spot. There's a big window so people walk in. And it was Valentine's Day weekend slash President's Day weekend. So it was... It was pretty packed. Crazy, yeah. We made some uh, made some new friends. Uh, we played we played fake flowers, and I didn't hate it. I actually am starting it, to like it that got song a big again. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> it got a big pop for us. I think I needed that because I've been sort of like what do you down think on that song psychologically? Why do you think you're down on it? I think I wrote it a million years ago, and just think of it as like really basic songwriting, and I just See, I'm just not. I really I'm like, like self-conscious about it. I, I really guess. like the lyrical imagery in that song, nice. and I like kind of like the rhythm of the vocals in it. Um, I just really like that song. I really like the uh, key change in the middle. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Tommy James and the Shondells kind of no, like the, moany, the moany instrumental like, breakdown. I love that song on the record. It sounds like such a fucking badass rock and roll song until I come in, and then I'm like, oh. But I, I think I, I think I fell back in love with it a little bit last saturday so That's that good. was yeah it happens i feel like with your songs like you kind of go up and down with them do you Except agree for unchain with me we we can all agree that we're <laughs> I down i don't hate that song i really don't we just it's just an ongoing joke that we shit on it in the band but <laughs> yeah i think i don't know i think you can kind of go back and forth between loving your songs i assume that like i don't know bob dylan's played don't think twice it's all right a billion times and he gets sick of it and then he likes it again and or maybe he's just sick of maybe everything. Maybe he's just completely sick of it. <laughs> he's just super he over said, it. like, I don't even know who that person was anymore. Oh, like, God. You know, he's like, I don't know who that person was who wrote that song. Wrote <sighs> Whatever, that Bob. <laughs> I love him so much. But like, you literally were just like, I wrote that song 10 years ago. I don't even know. I know. I just, I don't know. I, I, I saw Bob Dylan live and thought he was a little crotchety. And, but I, I don't know. You spend that many years on the road, I assume you get a little jaded. Yeah, I mean, we had like four days on the road, and we were a little, <laughs> we were a little <laughs> crotchety at we're points. We're already like, <laughs> what is this? Um, yeah, so. But yeah, really exciting. It's been. I I think I looked up the date. I think it's been since September third oh, no. or fourth, two thousand nineteen, that we've done a rock and roll review, and we're back baby what was the last band we did was it stone foxes no it was aa bondi oh yeah we did it in your uh, your little office yeah we yeah. did aa bondi and that was yeah that was at the parents house right or uh no we did stone oh Fo that yeah. was in a bondi was at your house okay yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um and but that was the last one and that was in september yeah so this is how the podcast started yeah uh, Still the most episodes of this, by the way, is the review because okay. it started out, honestly, just being me. It was the day after I got fired <laughs> from my job. I didn't mean to laugh. That was so insensitive. <laughs> and I was like, I'm really going to do something now. So I like sat down at my desk and uh, started trying to do um, a podcast about an artist. And then... You did 
uh, I Charlie, did Crockett. Charlie Crockett. Yeah, and I, I listened back to it, it me. and it was so, so slow paced and boring because the way I talk already is very California. So it's like really like laid back and like kind of. Just- <laughs> but anyway, it was, re- and I was like, ugh. Just the way know? we talk. So then I ended, we ended up going to our i ended up going to saint helena to right. record with you and i can't remember why initially because we oh we were going to do one on the go yeah the go and you're a huge go fan so i was like of course emily should do it so we uh. ended up doing it together and then that was way better so the first charlie Aww. crockett episode never saw the light of day i thought it was fun i listened to it yeah yeah, but it it's a, I I don't know about any podcast that's one person like unless it's super produced and they have like sound bites and like news and like all that stuff going yeah. on like but that's not the po- I've realized that that's not the type of podcast that I like listening to I like listening to conversational podcasts yeah so anyway I think we I think we figured it out so today we're gonna do a rock and roll review on the San Francisco Bay Area based band. Monophonics, Monophonics, which is a really cool band to do because they're like a one degree of separation away from our local music scene. Um, if one degree, zero uh, degrees, zero degrees. <laughs> That's us. Aren't we zero degrees? Technically, <laughs> we okay. are the Monophonics. Yeah. Where's oh, Kevin are, Bacon when you need oh, <laughs> That's one. The Monophonics from Tom. Oh. Drink. Uh. <laughs> we prom- so we have this whole thing where everyone always calls us the, the radio, radio keys. keys the radio and, uh, keys where did it, the hyphen come from it just makes from? us grit our teeth and go Argh! and uh so we <laughs> we really try not to do it with other bands like alabama shakes monophonics i i didn't know that they were not the monophonics well, i always thought they were so i apologize to monophonics yeah monophonics I think when words are plural, people want to put a the in front of it yeah. because of English. Exactly. Yeah. So they're just like, that's their instinct. It's the same thing like when we, uh, when we uh, as Americans, we always try to put a possessive S on the end of things. Like we'll be like Barnes and Nobles is or some, no, no one says that. What, what do people do say um, though? Um, Cause McDonald's is an obvious one, right? Like McDonald's is McDonald's. Like the restaurant, but then it, people try to do <laughs> now. I can't now, of course now I'm drawing a blank it. on everything. Well, I have, mm, I was thinking of our, our dad's name is Hans. So his yeah. name ends with an S Hans is he's going to be like, you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> um, Hans. Uh, <laughs> so when I say his name possessive, it's an apostrophe at the end of the S, right? So it's Hans. I think Hans it can be two ways. I think you can add another S now or, <laughs> Do the apostrophe at the end. He's just cringing listening to this. But um, no, I'm cringing because I can't <laughs> think of a single example of when people call something plural that's not. Um, oh dang it! It's, yeah. it's gonna drive me up a freaking wall. It's we'll mostly in it text. No, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, maybe so, we'll come back. Monophonics to that. <laughs> are from the Bay Area. They so a lot of places. Uh, a lot of the articles I looked at said bay area but uh they were specifically talking about san francisco i'm not sure where the players are specifically from they might all be from san francisco um, i saw that they were originally from all over the bay area that's what i was thinking I, as a bay area person that's what i would assume you know what i mean like they're probably a little bit from the east bay a little bit from maybe even north and south bay like and they kind of found each other because yeah um so i i saw uh two different years of when they started I saw 2005 and 2010. So I actually have the na- the answer for this. You have the answer for me? Because I'm like, where are I'm these fairly certain I have the answer for this. Okay. 2005, I believe, is when their high school band, which was called, I think it was the Monophonic 
orchestra or oh because they were an instrumental i don't band, know if right? it was orchestra it was like the monophonic symphony or something like that okay they're gonna they're gritting their teeth again they're like oh we're not <laughs> the. <laughs> no, but, um and then they ended up going to college and i think starting another band and then they combined these two bands into monophonics ah. and they did a lot of those instrumental tracks and stuff like that and they said that they were writing songs more like jazz standards like this is the head. This is, you know, the main hook of the song. Yeah. This is the solo section. Structure and this and is feel the outro. And, yeah. And then I think in 2010 is when Kelly Finnegan joined the band. That that I always saw was that he came through in yeah. 2010. So I think um, that's the two. And he's the singer, uh, uh, piano player. Yeah. Sorry, organ keyboard player. player? Organ, organ player. player? Organ Sorry. keyboard. Yeah, he actually is a, a really powerful performer musician singer he like when when i saw him at vinnie's they i think he does it for every show but they like set up his organ like front and center like facing kind of like <coughs> like jay roddy walston and the i was gonna say um, that's a, a like little a different because person. jay roddy is turned sideways that's, like he's Jerry got that Lee weird Lewis, thing like yeah. that kind of look oh, but okay. they're like straight on like you don't know what he's doing back there like he could be you know shuffling cards <laughs> like, do you want to talk about seeing them at vinnie's first and then oh yeah sh- yeah so this is kind of what i was talking it. about the f- one degree of separation before we broke it down to zero degrees and we are the <laughs> so made no sense i apologize <laughs> um basically one of the booking agents in in our scene um booked a show with monophonics and then our good friends, who two both dudes have been on the show, Joey from Swoon, or I, I love uh, James Reedy, always said, I like to be of something, not from something. I don't know why, but I, it's always James stuck with me. James of Morning Mountains. Yeah, James of Morning Mountains instead of from Morning Mountains. And it's like, it makes it sound like you're more... I'm of the town of Concord, not from the town of Concord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> Joey of Swoon and also Sabretooth Unicorn and then Vince of Sabretooth Unicorn, they both opened for the uh, for Monophonics that night. Wow. And um, Alante and I, we, uh, <clears throat> it was, I think it was a Friday or Saturday and we were kind of just, you know, cooling out, not really doing much. You guys I think live really close to Vinny's. Yeah. Really close, like blocks away. And um, it's Alante's new favorite bar. Yeah, he's there all the time. We went to uh, our rehearsal studio and kind of jammed for a little bit. Aw. And then we were like, because the the ticket prices were a little bit more than we we're used to at Venetia. When was this? It was like October, November, December, right? Because we still had the studio, so. Oh, God. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put uh, you on yeah, the spot. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no was, sense of time either. It's in okay. in the last four or five months. You Got know. it. And... Um, we dropped by just to see what was what was going on and joey was right there and he's like what are you guys doing here and and we're like oh we want to get in it's just like a really steep ticket price you know and we wanted to support initially i mean i was always curious about monophonics wanted to see what they're all about but we wanted to support uh vince and joey but they had already finished by the time we got there (laughs) so i felt kind of bad (laughs) and he's like oh no just come on in and he like talked to the door door folks and got us in and um we uh right when we were you know discussing getting in with the door folks the monophonics like walked right in the front door and hopped on stage and started playing nice. so they were set up yeah yeah real high energy just really incredible like incredible musicality really tight um good sound too i mean it was just a really everything's great show. really i read one article that was like everything's really upbeat 
even when they're singing, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, like how there are sad Beatles songs, but they're upbeat. This isn't like that, but it's, it's like, you don't necessarily have to have a, a heartbreak song and have it be a slow tempo. You can have it be upbeat and loud and cause heartbreak is loud, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I, I imagine that their live show is insane just from what I've listened to. It's really fun. Um, I feel like, uh, Kelly Finnegan, it has a little bit of Joe Cocker in him for sure. Aww. He has that incredible like soul voice. His you know? his voice is insane. Um, I really got into his. Well, I I guess we'll get into that later. But I I got I heard his solo album um a little while back. Uh, but then that song that you shared with me a while ago that he sings lead on. Yeah. That song, yeah. I threw that on my running playlist and was just obsessed with it. And let I me, was like, "Oh my bring god, it up he's real got quick. this crazy I can't like, re- soul we voice. can't really play it on the podcast We're because, gonna cheat. Um, We're gonna but yeah, it is <laughs> cheating. Um, well, what's the? Uh, it's a. It's nobody's fault but mine, and yeah, it's with a band that they, according to Kelly, became fast friends with Oregon. Oregon. And um. He must be a soul band too, but this is kind of the vibe of it. It for me, it reminded me. Oops, for me, it reminded me of like a, um, I guess, kind of like an Otis Redding feel. But this is it. The horns. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, and honestly, the crazy thing is, Kelly Finnegan like came to me on a. instagram like sponsored ad or something oh see th- these work this is like they the can work if they're good <laughs> if, if, they, if they're good they work if yeah. they're if they catch your eye whatever it might be and it kind of yeah. caught my eye because it had like that timeless feel to the picture but then also like sounded really good you know mm-hmm. so i ended up looking him up and i kind of dug through his you know solo album and um all this all this other stuff. And then I found that song, nobody's fault, but mine with Oregon that he does. And then at that point I started looking him up and it, and it talked about him being in monophonics. And I was like, Oh, duh. Monophonics was that band that does the song bang, bang that cover. Yeah. Like, and yeah, that's yeah. immediately what I thought. So of. So you it, knew both. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately we can't play bang, bang t- tonight. We really wanted to, because that was a song that like, launch them into I, th- I feel like everyone's conscious um that's what i keep saying in 2012 they recorded so it's a cover of um the nancy sinatra song bang by bang Sonny Bono. bang bang my baby shot me down is what it's called but you yeah you said it's written by sunny yeah Bono? Cher did it originally and Cher did it or- yeah. Cher did it originally i'm sorry yeah Cher did it originally sunny Sonny Bono wrote fucking it. ever um, yeah forever forever and she's like the same forever because i think of nancy sinatra she has like two big songs boots are made for walking and bang bang and probably something else that people are gonna get mad at me for that i'm <laughs> forgetting but um but yeah and she does this very like talky like bang bang he shot me down bang bang they completely it's very, transformed it's totally it. different yeah it's they very awesome the thing that really took like took my attention was like the really creepy like guitar chord progression in the beginning. It's eerie. It immediately grabs your attention and then just the power of Kelly's voice like right off the bat is yeah. like, oh. He comes in and, hot. And the, the other thing about it is like that song has such a eerie feel to it already because it's about childhood are, and it's yeah. about playing a childhood game where you're like, you know, yeah. You're playing, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't want to get canceled, but like Cowboys and Indians, you know, you're like yeah, playing that. That's what we played as children. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, cops and robbers live in the PG version. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. No. I. I. Yeah. The nineties were a crazy time. You guys. I yeah. apologize. No. On no behalf feelings. of the nineties. <laughs> no feelings were left unfucked. Basically. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> got their feelings hurt. It was uh, ooh, a lot of cringy stuff going on. Um, but yeah. It's, no. I remember that. And you play. Yeah. You play with yeah. your fake guns so or whatever. It's like fake guns, and it's like, you know, that that's pretty much the the plot of the song. But the way he sings it, it's almost like it's not a game. Like, it's real. Like, right. this is what is actually happening. Yeah. Like, it's like almost like a love. From the get-go, Like yeah. a love murder or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, something like that, which to me was like, it brought a whole new feel and meaning to the song. And I don't know, that song really, I remember hearing it, I guess it came out in 2012. So, I feel like I heard it in college for some reason, but I must have been graduating. I think you might have, because it has quite a few plays i think it i think it circulated pretty well i mean um, i graduated in 2011 that song came out in 2012 is there any chance it came out earlier than that no it they might have come out as, as a single but i don't have any it it reminds me of um like the like joe cocker covering beatles songs where it's like he puts like actual like this like soul into it that didn't like help from my friends like yeah. that being the nancy sinatra version and you hear it and the song is like brand new you're like oh shit like this is a powerful song yeah. but you needed that powerful singer and he's kelly is that powerful singer for sure and also they like all their songs have like this really rich tapestry of sounds. Yeah. And the reason I think they're able to do that is because they have their own recording studio that they record in. Yeah. And in um, our own North Bay, it's Marin County, right? And do a bunch of weird shit. And they have like all this vintage gear and they're recording like analog. I was going to say everything's analog, right? I'm pretty sure they were recording to like eight track and stuff. Do you want to play the first song and just get into it? So, um, we were going to try to do a song off the 2012 record, um, in your brain, mm-hmm. but because we were going to play bang, bang and last second we couldn't, um, because of it being a cover, we're just going to skip to the 2015 record, but please look up monophonics cover of the song bang, bang. Yeah. That one's going to blow your mind. Um, <clears throat> so the first song we're going to do today, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah, is um, let me bring it hanging up. on. Yeah, hanging on, but, and that's uh, off of 2015 record, uh, "Sound of Sinning," and it's my favorite. I've been listening to them all day. I think I've listened to every song at least three times that they've that's on Spotify, and this is probably my favorite as as far as representational. Mm-hmm. Um, it has everything going on: uh, soul, the psychedelic kind of thing. Uh, Kelly kind of killing it. Um, structure uh anyway so yeah let's uh let's get into it we'll talk more about it after Keep on begging you, please 
Off the 2015 record Sound of Sinning. Yes. And uh, as you can, as I mentioned earlier, they have like a Layers. incredibly dense sound. Yeah. They're, it's so well thought out. Um, there's so many different vocal overdubs you can hear. Um, the, and also, the other thing is they really like satur- saturated with like this really wet, like spring reverb, it feels like. At least the guitar for sure does with those high triads. Ding. Ding, in the uh, verse yeah so they they really do a great way of arranging the song to make room for all of these instruments that are happening because there are tons of There's things going, going on. on well but it doesn't sound too chaotic no it sounds it doesn't clean. Sound chaotic. and what i love about all these recordings um including his solo record including the song we played earlier is um explain to me why the recording of his vocals in that song remind me of like the recording of Julian Casablancas's vocals in the strokes. Like why, what is that? Like, is it reverb? Like, what is that sound that makes it's, it sound a little cupped or like, it's, you know what I mean? It like, could be a few things. Um, I mean, there are different techniques. It's not super clean. It's, uh, it's got like a little bit of uh, static on it. It's, static is the word. Yeah, like, I think it's, it's a little, just a little bit of distortion. We do a lot of that actually on our record. But too. it sounds, when I hear the word distortion, I think of like, I don't know, like it's tube me- color, like metally stuff. So, this sounds more like vintage. So it's overdriving the preamps, right? So we do that a lot, but we do it more digitally. And they, we also did it a little bit um, with the Neve ca- console too that we used. Oh, but we didn't try to add that that tube color to it, the gain to mm-hmm. it. Um, 
that's I think what a lot of soul bands do. Like, have you noticed a great example is the weight, the song that we cover with the, Aretha, the Franklin. Aretha version? Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. how when she screams, it gets super loud. All of a sudden, it gets a little bit crunchy and distorted. Yeah, but yeah. But in that take, it's very distorted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. That's like turning it up to 10 right so when you get to you know this amount of volume all of a sudden you're really pushing the overdrive of those tubes and making them you know distort and that for you know for that take of the aretha franklin song yeah that is a very exaggerated version of that right and there and on our record we did that but we didn't do it as much you right. know like in talking um we have it on don't come back home. We have it. I feel like I have it on talking as a backup, right? We both do. Yeah. 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 And, um, it's just a way to, to color the vocals. It's like anything. It's like a reverb. It's like a delay, you know, it's a different effect. And I like it cause it, it almost makes it sound a little more. Sometimes vocals sound like you listen to like any pop song and the vocals are, way up front and then everything else is pushed back and with a song like that where so much is going on it's pretty brave to kind of push the vocals back and make it sound like an instrument and that's what they're doing they're making yeah. him sound like an instrument but he's still um in the in the front but it just it, it blends so much better i feel like with all the you know what i mean yeah yeah no i i think that's a great point and um I, I notice a lot of soul bands do that. Like if you listen to all those old records, listen to the vocals. Yeah. I'm talking about old soul records. Yeah. Like listen to the vocals. You'll hear, especially when the volume gets high in the vocals, when they're screaming, when they're really getting, you know, into it, you can hear a little bit of distortion, a little on dust it. on it. And, yeah. the, and they call that, um, just a, a little bit of tube overdrive tube color from, because literally I really like that style. It sounds like, you so know, when you cool. plug into your amp, and uh, yeah, and you you know turn it on. You have all that kind yeah, of shit. That's basically yeah. like a preamp, you know, and that's the same thing that they used to plug the vocals into in a way, in a sense. And now we do it all digitally. But back in the day, they used to plug it, you know, plug it straight into all this kind of crap. Yeah, that they could then. You know, like you can change your mid ranges. You can change your treble on your mm -hmm. guitar. You can do all that. That you can also do that. I'm sure Nate is listening to this just screaming at me right now, but <laughs> you can also do that with these preamps and these equalizers, putting your vocals into the analog mix. And I think they use a lot of analog gear and, and, and they, uh, it's what, it's what it sounds like. Uh, yeah. Everything I've read, like their studio. Um, I'm going to give their studio uh, studio studio a shout out. Um, it is called uh, 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 Transistor. Transistor. Oh man, Transistor Sound Studio. There we go. In Marin County, California. So they are still in California, or in California for and sure, but also in the Bay of, Area, north of San Francisco. Um, so it sounds like what what we agreed is that 2010, 2009, 2010 uh, is when uh, Kelly Finnegan joined the band, right? Yeah. Um, and so let's see, I have a quote. Do you want to throw some quotes in here? Sure. I have Screw a few it. fun <laughs> quotes too. So. Um, so this is a, let's see, quote by Kelly Finnegan. Um, in 2009, 2010, there were a lot of bands popping up that wanted to be like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. I know them pretty well. Uh, I've met the guitar player from uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Anyway, she's, she well, passed away recently. Was this from your recently. New York life? 
No, that's a different soul band you're oh. thinking of. Um, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings um, were like huge, huge, huge uh, in the Bay Area, but also beyond that. And uh, Sharon Jones was older. She passed away recently. Um, and the Dap Kings, I guess, are like a separate thing. So he talks about that. But uh, so he said a lot of bands were trying to be like that. And that's like a soul revival band. Like she sounded like a Aretha Franklin type. And they were doing that same exact kind of style. And they had a really great live show. So they were known for their live show. Um, and so he said, let's wear a suit and two-step. Um, he says, we love that band. We love what they do. But there really was a void of people playing psychedelic soul. Um one thing that excited us about being from the Bay was how the music was connected to the history of that culture and the scene and the soul that people don't know. I think there he's alluding to like the hate Ashbury. This is Kelly. Yeah. Okay. I think he's alluding to like San Francisco, uh, Winterland, uh, that kind of like Grateful Dead culture. Summer of Love. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. Winterland is the venue that, uh, the last waltz was at and that, um, Grateful Dead played out. Our mom has been to Winterland like a bunch of times. Apparently it's gone now. Um, yeah, when I think of, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area and their music culture, I think of... Grateful you know, like, Dead? Well, sure, but also like Sly and the Family Stone, Jefferson yeah, yeah, Airplane. Yeah. Funk. Uh, Mamas Soul. and the Papas, uh, Janis Joplin, Big Brother and the Holding Company. That yeah. kind of, like that's what I really think of um, when I think of I think that's the summer exactly of what he's alluding to. Yeah, yeah. it's like a... F- um, he said there's a, so sorry, this is their uh, trumpet player, percussionist, and founding member, Ryan Scott, says there's a weird little brand of funk, soul, and R&B from the Bay Area. I think it has to do with the liberal weirdness in the Bay Area and how it's okay to be different. Um, but yeah, I think they're alluding to that same thing that you just talked about. I yeah. forget, you know, Janice Joplin, absolutely. Well, she's from Texas, but she right. like, you know, tr- uh, migrated over here. and There's like a weird rumor that she lived in a... Uh, in the apartment above uh, the, uh, what's the venue in, um, oh, we just played I can't it. help you. No. Oh. Smiley's. Smiley's. Bolinas. Oh, Sorry, really? I couldn't come up with Bolinas. Didn't you tell me that? Someone no, told, I didn't tell There was a rumor that. that she used to live over there. Anyway, I think it's a, I think it's a bad rumor. God, I love Smiley's. I just wish you could play <laughs> Above a Whisper. <laughs> yeah, Above a Whisper would above be great. Above a Whisper. That venue is smaller than this living room in our apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue. It's, it's so tiny. No shade. I well, love that venue so right much. it's quieter right now there than it is here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what a nerve-wracking uh, gig. It's something about having like <laughs> the decibels you're allowed to play like right in front right of you. Right in your face, And Alante yeah. is playing basically with his hands. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, like every time he hits the hi-hat, it's like just clipping where we're supposed to be and we're like, oh no. Anyway. Yeah, we love it there. But they're yeah, really kind. Very they're really kind. very stressful playing where they're like, in fact, we ended up boozing at the bar until like, three or four in the morning Alante and I left. <laughs> oh really? Yes. When we were all staying in the same room? Yes. We hung out with the, the bartender and like some random person there for like hours and hours and How hours. How fun. Those are the nights you kind of remember. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. remember, but remember <laughs> in a romantic sense, like, Oh, I remember that time we stayed at the bar, but you don't really remember it like specifically or like no. what you talked about. Yeah. No. Um, anyhow, yeah, I, I think that that era, they're kind of combining this like, they're combining a lot of different sort of genres that came out of San Francisco. So that's going to include um, uh, Parliament Funkadelics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Sly and no, the Family Stone and no, then Parliament yeah. Cincinnati. What? Yeah, I don't think Parliament Funkadelic. Um, well, Bootsy, but, Bootsy's from Cincinnati at least. But 
Does it say there? Can we get a Google on that? Can I'm get Googling it right now. Can we get a Google? Um, I thought I saw that in one of the articles. That that's my bad, but. Um, anyway, I, I my point is that they're kind of combining this. Sort well, there of is like a band that is very funky from the Bay Area. Tower of Power, baby. Oh yeah, let's not forget. Yeah. We know uh, one of those guys. Um, for for anyone listening for the first time, we're also a Bay Area based family. So we are. We we grew up raised here. Very well versed with. Apparently not. 100% with Parliament Funkadelic. We'll see. We'll no, see. No, no. Parliament but Funkadelic is from New Jersey. Why did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm whatever. I'm mixing them up. I mean, um, you better check, I know check yourself. Of, of Sly and the Family Stone is who you're I'm not of. thinking of Sly. I would never no? mix them up. Okay. No. I'm just. I would okay. never. I would never. I'm sorry. How dare you? She I, would, I would never. <laughs> I just. <laughs> No, yeah, it says taking a cue from their San Francisco roots and greats. Oh, I get it. I mixed up San Francisco roots because they mentioned George Clinton's Funkadelic and then they mentioned Sly Stone in the same sentence. This is a KQED article. So I blame KQED for, <laughs> for that mix up. But it was just me reading it wrong. And so listeners that's my like fault. you. <laughs> yeah, who are like, oh, anyway. Anyway. Um, Notice how they don't thank mention. Thank you for checking me. They don't mention Huey Lewis in the news one time. <laughs> 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 No, they need kidding. more shout outs. I actually, fun fact about Huey Lewis, he uh, just came out with a new record on Valentine's Day. Okay. <laughs> it's a fact. I'm it's not sure if it's fun. fun. Okay, fact. did you listen to it? Is it? I did listen to it. Is it inspiring? It. It's inspiring in, in some ways, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny because I, cool. I always think of, for some reason, I always think of Huey Lewis in the news as like this super Bay Area band, but no one ever talks about them being an influence. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Especially like bands that have like <laughs> Should horns. we start naming them like number one as like Radio Keys, what are your influences? <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news is we number really one. We <laughs> really love Huey Lewis and the News, especially the new record that just came out, Valentine's, the Valentine's Day 2020. Day record. Um, that was pretty great. No, it feels like we're just shitting on a legend, but what we're trying to do... I think we're, we're doing the opposite. I'm trying to say, like, there's so many bands, like, all these bands from the Bay Area, like, there's such a steep musical tradition of bands from the Bay Area, like, what, Journey? Santana. Ooh, yeah. Great Santana, point. great Credence. Great yeah, Credence Clearwater. And Metallica. Then, Thank God Tom is yeah, here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Metallica, yeah. They are from the Yeah, Bay my area. middle school best friend's mom used to like party with Metallica. They're really local. Yeah, Green Day. Yeah. Oh, Green Day's great. Yeah, yeah they're Berkeley. The Primus. Primus, there you go. Tom's full. Sorry. Of them. Just... No, don't apologize. You're busting out some really good ones. Um, Megadeth. Yeah. Who's the main guy from uh, Green Day? What's his name? Billy Joe. Billy Joe. Joe. Armstrong. Uh, I, B- Billy Joe Billy, Armstrong? Billy Joel, right? No, it's Billy Joe Armstrong. Billy Joe Billy Armstrong. Joe. Not, Billy to, not to be confused with Piano Man. <laughs> Billy Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I did the same thing. I was like, Billy Joel Armstrong? Your brain is just connecting things. Your brain is just connecting you? things. Sorry. We're, we're off the rails, but we'll go back. Um, it's okay. It's um, all right. Have I ever told you about a buddy who I'll tell you about after the show? Um, Whose name you'll drop after the show? I'll okay. tell you after the show. Can't wait, I ever I tell I you guess. about how his mom, like, 
may or may not have hooked, hooked up, up with, with Billy, Billy Joel. Joel? Yeah. No. He was like, I heard this story actually. He was like, he was listening. I think I know who like, it is. Pe- like uh, my buddy Max growing up. It's not Max's mom. So she's, <laughs> she's a saint. No. But my buddy Max would always play uh, Piano Man at, yeah. for some reason at like our college parties. Like we'd all be like, you know, playing beer pong or doing some bro shit. And like he loved Piano Man. Freaking Piano shit. Man would oh, come on. And uh, <laughs> one of my friends was like, fun fact. Uh, my mom turned down Billy Joel in a bar one You're time, like, and I'm like, though? I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and he's like, well, what happened is Billy Joel came up to her, and this was when he was huge, and she was like, oh my god, you're Billy Joel. And they ended up talking for like the entire night, and at, at the end of the night, he was like, hey, do you want to come back to my place with me? And she was like, no, I don't. And and I looked him at him, and I was like, you really think she said no to Billy <laughs> Joel? <laughs> So he basically like she might have. She, he like opened up the door. The, oh, the for you guys to talk shit to that his for mom, the rest of your college years. His mom could oh for the rest of life like all yeah. time. But I think, I, I know I think there's a very very strong possibility that he could be <laughs> Billy Joel's son. That is all wow. I'm. That's what I'm. Saying. You went from zero to a hundred on that one. <laughs> all right. Anyway, zero let's go ahead and uh, play the um, next song we're gonna play. Let's do it. Um, I want. Uh, so this is also off of Sounds of Sinning, um, and it's called Lying Eyes. It's the first one off of the record. It was the first one that you told me you really wanted to hear. I really liked it because, um, well, it does have a video on YouTube that is is pretty uh, pretty well done. And then uh, it, also, um, it also has some really great lyrics. And this was the first song I noticed where I was like, oh, like these are some very very thoughtful interesting lyrics um so anyway so let's get into it
way they record the verses in that song, that's sort of like... Um, the call and response kind of thing? Well, that's like the, I don't believe it. But in the verses, it's very like, to me, very like 60s, um, sort of the soft vocals sort mm-hmm. of layered over. It's almost like tiptoeing around. Like the kinks do that. The zombies do that. I was just looking up some bands that kind of do I was, that. I was saying it. It's like almost really falsetto-y, rem- but not... Yeah, I was saying it really reminds me of like Keith Richards and the Rolling Stones with that yeah. gar- guitar part. It's just very Keith Richards to me, which is awesome. Not yeah. a Bay Area band, but still very cool. It's okay. I, we started looking them up, and there's some good ones, and there's some less Huey Lewis exciting and the news, baby. ones. No. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, so I have like a quote about the recording style. Um, or, uh, uh, yeah, so this is one thing that stuck out to me from one of the uh, articles. So Ryan Scott is one of the founding members. He's trumpet and percussion. Um, and he has a quote. Um, Shitty is pretty aesthetic as far as um, their vintage gear and their analog recording processes. Like, sh- quote, unquote, shitty is pretty. Like, Well, um, let, me, let me talk about that a little bit, do too. It, do it, do it, do um, it. Basically, Gabe Roth is um, a writer who, I guess, talks about how to get lo-fi, dirty tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shitty is Pretty, I guess, is a book that he wrote or an article he wrote, one or the other. So I have a quote from them saying, plus, we read a lot of articles from writers like Gabe Roth, whose Shitty is Pretty is kind of looked at in a biblical sense in terms of how to get that lo-fi, dirty tone. Yeah. Um, He says... There are all these hip hop artists that are spending all this money sampling old lo-fi records, but that he can get you that same sound with a shitty Radio Shack mic. So that's, I guess, where shitty. It's is like pretty. we planned this. Yeah, no, it's kind of <laughs> weird that it came together like that. Yeah, I um. That's I mean, what he's referencing. I did a. Uh, I did my best. I I wanted to talk a little bit about their songwriting. It sounds like to me. So I love uh, the lyrics in this last song we heard. Um, I'm just going to read the first verse. I'm sure everyone hates it when I do this. I would hate it if people just read the stumbling lyrics. But anyway. um, I did today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Lying Eyes, the song we just played, starts off with the tales she tells her what live in her books. I close my eyes to find a clue. She's drinking time. I'm smoking mine and taste while wastes of words jump off the page. It's great lyricism. Like, and it's, it's that type of writing style that if you, if you look into it and you read it, you go, Oh God, that's really gorgeously written. Um, it's like a wonderful way to kind of work with, with language. But when you hear him singing it, it doesn't sound forced or weird. So it's, it's my favorite kind of songwriting, like where they find that balance where it's like, it's not, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That was Ryan Scott, right? Who said that? Uh, about shitty is pretty. No, about the songwriting process. Oh, I no, that was just me talking. Um, but I was going to say their, their songwriting process, um, I, it looked it sounded to me like um they jam out and then sort of layer like they almost like write as they're jamming kind of thing which is like the bet one of the best ways i think to write um it's kind of a loose way to write lyrics and to, to find songs kelly said something in an interview and i'm gonna just you know paraphrase it because i didn't write it down but he was talking about how it's really important to like let individual members like have a thing for a minute. Like for example, if Tom and Alante are in the studio yeah, and they're really 
vibing into something like really hard and we're sitting there and then we're just trying to like insert ourselves into it yeah all of a sudden we're like diluting this process in a way yeah where they have something that they're on to and they're really getting there and you just have to let them figure it out yeah while we sit back and kind of let it happen because this is something that isn't involving us yet but it's involving them creating something incredible and he's talking about how it's really important to like acknowledge when you should give people space in in like writing because right. i think of it like this a lot of almost any time i've ever been in a band or i've ever heard of anyone being in a band people will be playing and then people immediately are trying to figure out what the fuck they should be doing yeah right how do i insert myself exactly. which is how we walk around the world i feel like how and, do i insert and myself the second <laughs> i start Dank, dank, dank. All of a sudden, I'm hitting hard twos and fours on my guitar, and that changes the groove slightly. All of a sudden, the groove right. isn't the same anymore. Now, Alante is hitting the two and the four way harder, and that changes the way Tom's playing. And oh, then all of a sudden, I've just kind of diluted what they had going on by trying to insert myself. So it's another ability to be able to like learn when to give people space in yeah. songwriting. Anyway, I and thought how, that was a really, how to dive in and I thought that was a really interesting get in the take on songwriting because obviously when we listen to you know, I don't always think about that. But they I read a quote from Ryan Scott as well mm. saying uh, we have a loose formula that seems to be working so far. Usually the rhythm section gets the core music together and we go on from there by arranging horns, strings, percussion, overdubs, vocals, etc. Um, so I thought it was really weird how he mentioned vocals after strings percussion overdubs i don't know if they always i think sometimes kelly will come to the mix with uh lyrics beforehand but seems to me like they really try to nail down the arrangement before they get a lot of the vocals going which to me like i i when i write songs i like to i mean we write them all sorts of different ways sometimes i'll right. write a really There's cool so riff or writing, yeah. well and then sometimes I'll just hear like one word in my head and then I'll hear a melody to it. And then everything I write goes off of that one word and that one melody. Right. So there are so many different ways to songwrite. And I thought it was really interesting that they, you know, mentioned that they like to kind of come up with the whole arrangement and then come up with the vocals, which to me is, I is, is not something that I've heard a lot of bands do before. I think if, if you are, I as a vocalist and as a songwriter, like I write songs a lot of different ways, um, and it's I, I feel like I'm starting over every time I do it. Like every time I go to write a song, I'm starting from the very beginning. I don't really have a formula or like a way that I do it. Um, I would say one of the most fun ways to write a song, like one of the most like inspiring, exciting ways for me to write a song, is when the song like the music is there and I just get to listen to that over and over and like write to that because I can come up with a storyline I can come up with exciting so lyrics. you like to do essentially what they're doing I like to do what they're doing yeah. but I also like to do what you're doing was is where I come up with a theme in my head of an idea out of thin out of thin air in a way and come up with a melody and then try to match that but for me that's harder because I'm not as as much of a musician I'm more you know, it's, I'm a little less, uh, what's the word? Anyway, I, I, I Are have to. Musical? Like, 
don't yeah, know. musically trained, I guess. Yeah. Um, so when I come up with a melody in my head, Sounded I have to. So disrespectful. I, I, no, no, no. It's not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Musical. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not. I'm not musically trained. I'm like the first to admit it. Cause like when I get in like a jam circle, I want to be like, Fun yeah, I don't fact, know what's going on. Actually, when I was digging through um, a bunch of the family's um, oh, no. music stuff today, <laughs> I was trying to. What I was trying to find. Um, was music like uh, lesson material, like oh. different piano books and and bass guitar for my students, right? Right, that should be there too. And I was digging through it, and guess what I found? What a bunch of Emily Good music mm. theory tests. Oh God, me just failing. Crazy. No, you did really well. <laughs> what did really well. It was like beginning. It was beginning for sure. It was in a book. Um, mm. Every musician knows it. It, it. I think it's called like basic timing for the musician or something. It's like an hourglass. It's like a gray book. Oh, that with sounds a like red that's hourglass like, on the cover. That's like, like elementary school Emily, then, right? No, because it it has. I think it's college Emily. I oh, think, I think it's yeah. um. Do you, is it it's our the class piano that class? we played? The piano class we played. Tom and I took yeah. one class together in our lifetime. Oh, together. basic timing for the. Oh, we took, damn yeah. it. What is it called? Anyway, I'm sure we freaking Kelly knows this book. He's listening <laughs> to this right now. He's like, yes. I it, can picture the cover with the yeah. hourglass. It's like goldish, golden, well, it's warm orange, lighting. But yeah, it's gray and like orange, I think. Uh, but anyway, I found a bunch of your tests. Wow. And you did okay. You know, you weren't failing. When like I'm, you said when I'm you were. put to the test, like when Nick Montez was teaching me guitar and I had to learn like um, Blackbird and do like the really like complicated chords and like do it in a certain timing like I can do that I just need like a task and then I can do it when I'm bad at is at is, is uh sitting down and this is it basic timing for the pianist oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. bringing it back but anyway this, I was this gonna is say like, like the most classic freaking I want to see those tests it'll yeah but uh maybe it'll teach me something but yeah I I I definitely uh can that resonates with me that there's different way, different ways for them to write songs and like if if you guys are jamming on something like i'll record it because i'm like oh like that's how i wrote hey hey charles is like you sent me this little guitar part or move it's you sent so me a guitar different. part it inspires yeah. me so much more to hear that because when i to be honest like when i write something out of thin air it tends to be pretty limited to what i can do on guitar which is pretty limited like i use guitar as sort of a tool to songwrite and like it almost limits me a little bit with songwriting because I'll be like, okay, well, I know, I know these chords, and so a lot of what I write ends up sounding like want to know stumbling what or whatever. Fun, but um, exercises in songwriting, I've besides stealing, which you've already taught me, is great. well, it's very similar to stealing, <laughs> but it's just picking a chord, no matter what it is, and then trying to make that like the tonic home chord of the song right and then trying to write around that one chord so like maybe you'll pick like b minor seven or a major seven or something like that and then a chord you don't usually write with like maybe like with you you'll write my basic bitch is d my basic bitch is d yeah and um i write an a a lot you know and i write e major i love writing an a so i try to like think like and the thing is it's like Every song we write doesn't need to be a masterpiece. Like it can be an exercise. I've kind of realized because I, I, I think just it's as like many painting. times. I mean, I think just as many times I've written a good song, I've written like four bad ones. Oh, I have so many. <laughs> I've, do you ever wayside. just go through your voice recordings and you're like, "What the fuck was this?" Like, yes, yeah. Yes. Or I'll find something like move and be like, "Oh shit, I yeah. like this," you know, and then yeah. it'll and it'll become something. So let's get the the last tune. It looks like um, 
it so from what i understand about them is they all do different stuff in addition to monophonics like uh their record studio is producing a lot of music they're getting a lot of different artists in there you know they're doing compilations they're doing some like local bands they were, which is so cool what, what is that one guy the uh that they were recording. He's um the dude from uh, France, the soul dude. Oh, I don't. Um, let me look it up. Oh wait, it's uh, like Uncle. <laughs> it looked like Uncle to me, but I don't know how. Oh, to speak I don't know who that French. is. Um, let me look it up real quick. So, it's Ben Oncal Soul. I'm gonna. I don't know how to speak French, but it. Let me see. B N L apostrophe O N C L E Soul. They met him, and uh, they. I guess oh, he yeah, was a I fan can't of say theirs. That. <laughs> I know. I just butchered it, dude. I just butchered Sorry, it. Sorry, Francois. I apologize. <laughs> That's I apologize. And um and yeah, basically he was I think a fan of theirs and he saw them after one of their performances and they started talking and um this was in Europe and then he ended up traveling all the way to Marin and recording a record with them. How cool. And then they in turn went and supported them, him in as France? their his backing band on tour in like Europe and stuff. How cool. Yeah, it's like when the Fleece brothers, you know, did that for M Ward yeah, and yeah, yeah. uh Connor Oberst. Yeah. Uh yeah. But anyway, this guy's really cool too. He sings in French and it's really interesting to hear soul music in French. Oh, <laughs> which I would is, love that. But um he's just an example of um so they're reaching out to their not just their local community but to like the music community in a very cool way with this recording studio yeah that's very cool i um i did want to say like so let's see so they have a new record coming out this year right it's 2020 and uh i think the last song is what we're going to end on is that fair singles come out from this record i think right Um, I don't want to speed it up because I want to chat more before well, we what play I want it. You, but what I want you to do is I actually want you to talk about uh, Kelly Finnegan's father because he told me about that before the show and this I thought was it was a surprise. super interesting. This was a surprise. Yeah, I yeah. was so I I was listening to this uh, the monophonics. Sorry, I think it's okay if I say. Tell me if I'm wrong. If I say the monophonics record. Oh, that's a drink. But is it like saying the Radio Keys album? No, no. The Monophonic the is album is fine. Okay. Tom got really excited and started doing hand motions. and then Because, <laughs> because it's the record. and The record and yeah. you're putting monophonics in between. Yeah. So that's what I started saying that and I was like, wait. Okay. Anyway. Mom, the English major is actually, actually, no. Actually. She doesn't talk like that at all. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> so I was surprised. So I, you showed me that uh, song that he sings on the Ain't Nobody fault but mine but i was like this sounds familiar like i feel like like a year ago um i got you know how we are sort of very influenced by what spotify throws at us totally totally right so spotify kind of threw the song at me um from kelly finnegan his solo record um that i think came out in like 2019 the tales people tell yeah and it was something like by the way i don't want to wait or something anyway i heard that song and i was like oh this is great that one <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> no he sings in a is that the one where he sings in falsetto like almost the whole time tom can you look it up uh he's like no here i'll bring it. uh it's uh it's a song by kelly finnegan on tales people tell and i think it's i can't wait if you carry this podcast for a second i'll oh it's, yeah it's i don't want to wait i don't want to wait I don't want to See, I wasn't going, I don't want to wait for a lot. So, I was yeah, his song. Those backup singers sound a lot like what he's using on um, 
uh, the monophonic songs as well. Um, I love those backups too. They, they're so like in the pocket, like perfect, like 1960s group, like backup vocals. I love that whole feel. Um, anyway, yeah, he released a, a solo album called the tales people tell. So I heard that and listened to that whole thing a few times about six months ago. And so I was looking at that today and I was re-listening to that. And then I was looking at, uh, at Kelly Finnegan. And then I found out, um, that yeah, um, Finnegan, uh, this is a, I think an offbeat article. Uh, Finnegan grew up in a musical household. His father, legendary keyboard player and vocalist, Mike Finnegan. And then they say of, so he's recorded with Jimi Hendrix, Joe Cocker, Etta James, Bonnie Raitt, Taj Mahal. Uh, just <laughs> anyway, legends. Just, just casually, <laughs> casually played with all those people on their, recorded, on their records. He recorded on electric ladyland, which is yeah, apparent, that's crazy. I mean, I would have it top 20 rock album of all time. Like any 20. That's it. Sorry. What's your favorite? I think it's I think because are you experienced? I was going to say he's, it's not okay, your favorite Hendrick. Jimmy album, but the thing is, is like each of Hendrix's studio records was like an all time great record. And then once he died, all of people just tried to, I mean, his family really, it was like a money grab after money grab tried to like, yeah, the thing is about, That's sorry, really depressing. quick, aside on Hendrix it's like cool. yeah. what he used to do he wanted to record all the time that's what he really wanted so he built this studio electric ladyland and it was a complete money pit just Aww. a complete money pit and so he would go on tour in order to try to build this place up and they were like he would he would go there on like week-long benders with like random musicians and they would run tape the entire week like wow. never stop recording the entire time. And tape is, it's not like, like now we, you know, get on our phones and we just put voice recorder. Yeah. It doesn't cost us anything. Like, I mean, I'm sta I'm stating the obvious, but I'm just saying it out loud to think about yeah. it. Like they have, ta they have physical tape that they're buying and then using for a week. That is yeah. so, so, wow. Yeah. So whenever people hear all these, like, you know, rays of the new rising sun or whatever about neptune or whatever the f the fuck these hendrix records that are coming out now everyone's like oh, oh my the god it's a new shit. hendrix record it's like time out like hendrix was such a perfectionist about his music and about everything he wanted especially his guitar takes and his vocal takes Aww. which let's be honest that's what hendrix is yeah. his vocal takes and his guitar takes so it's yeah. like if you're taking these takes that he didn't put his stamp of approval on that's not a hendrix record that's a hendrix sketch yeah. it's like trying to sell a picasso sketch as you know a classic oh, trust painting. me they are anyway. and they're you yeah know, they're doing that with fucking uh bukowski we're constantly so getting posthumous really, shit and it's like this is not the stuff he wanted to publish and there's an issue there like emily dickinson's a big the big sort of I think a big example of that is she never wanted her, her stuff published and we all decided to publish it, which is really beautiful in a way. It's like human beings were like, hey, this human wrote this amazing yeah. stuff. Let's get it out in the world. We want to hear it. But then there's the, it's sort of like an argument. It's like, it's like where, where do you stand with like, okay, but if, if that wasn't their finished product, does that, should that see the light of, like I, I just imagine like my bad poetry and my terrible songs like seeing the light of day and it's like, now that represents who I am after my death. And yeah. it's not what I wanted. Maybe people exactly. think it's, a, but then everyone's like, it's amazing. But it's but like, my, ugh, my like, overarching point on the whole know. thing is he had 
three studio records right. that he put his stamp of approval on when right. he was alive and put out. And that was Are You Experienced, Access Bold as Love, and Electric Ladyland. And Kelly Finnegan's dad played on Electric Ladyland. On one Lady of those Land, three, yeah. Which is means which is Jimi crazy. Hendrix put his stamp of approval on it. Yeah. Which is, to me, being like the biggest Hendrix fanboy of all time is like, could you imagine really cool. if you played a track and Hendrix was like, that sounds fucking awesome, man. We're keeping That's that going on the record, in yeah. my studio record. Yeah. It so also, it also really bums stuff. me out because like Jimi Hendrix didn't know that he was going to make three records. I mean, Not to be like few, super morbid, but no, like he, he obviously thought, you know, he was going to do more. And so... I can't like it's just crazy it's to think a about. certain it's a certain like it goes back to like now that that Kobe's dead you know Kobe Bryant passed away everyone's starting to talk about him like the greatest basketball player of all time it kind of elevated his status as a basketball player because he died young yeah. like if he died you know like Bill Russell's still freaking walking the planet and he's like ancient but if he like lived that long and then died it wouldn't be a discussion that you know lebron james michael jordan are still better but now that he died young everyone's like oh my god he like look, cut short yeah look what he means to everybody and there's yeah. like this whole like upheaval of the community and, and then everyone sees this upheaval and they're like maybe i underestimated how much he really means and like when someone like hendrix or morrison or or uh, Joplin, Die Young. Amy Winehouse, or, any of them, yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, oh my God, look how incredible she was. And they're like, you know what? And not to say they aren't incredible, because they are. They are, but... But time kind of wears away these things over time. Like, maybe these three studio albums wouldn't get as much shine if he had five terrible albums in the 80s well okay but we'll never know if he like had I'm gonna, five terrible albums i feel like in the i'm 80s. shitting on bob dylan but he had a lot of bad albums in the 80s um and then he came back with like some would argue Time out of Mind, cash did too and yeah he came back with those american records and those yeah. american records are the best things he's ever done other than those first you know maybe couple they find their way back yeah, yeah. but it, it uh it dilutes it i guess a little bit is what you yeah mean. what i'm trying to say is when people live a long 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 time it start people take it for granted in a way and then they start their to, art yeah and then they're like well what about this one shitty thing he did and then all of a sudden that's a negative against all these pluses that they do yeah. but if all you have is plus and then potential yeah like that makes it seem like oh my god he could have been in like this immeasurable thing that we've never seen before but really it, it's like what we do know is he came out with three incredible records and then it's unknown. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know really where I'm going with this, but I think <laughs> that when you, when someone dies young, that potential kind of morphs into this thing. That's a positive for their legacy for whatever reason, because people can't imagine. Well, the all potential, the, the mystery is better than the known, right? Yes. The people yeah. are going to be like, like imagine if Quentin Tarantino died after Pulp Fiction, like they'd be like, Oh my God, that was an incredible movie. And like, imagine all the Pulp Fictions that would have happened. And sure and enough, there were like, some he, misses and some hits. hits he's and misses, he's yeah. had a lot of incredible movies, you yeah. know, and he hasn't tarnished his legacy, but there's definitely been artists that, you know, maybe have passed away and then they, or sorry, not have passed away, have come out with incredible things, didn't pass away and then have come out with a bunch of, Kept you know, going. subpar stuff. And then their legacy takes a dive. 
So anyway, that's a whole tangent about some shit. No, I, I absolutely was following that whole thing. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think the, the way I can sum that up is that the mystery is, is better than the, 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 the real, you know, maybe not better, the but mystery it, of what yeah, Jimi Hendrix might have come out with in the eighties and nineties. Cause what the fuck would have, cause the, the, the time frame, uh, the culture of the time. So the culture of the eighties, the culture of the nineties will affect what you're doing. Like no matter how, no matter who you are. So because of the recording technology, because I mean, of what's happening, look at like miles Davis, he came out. Oh with, yeah. It's a he great came example. Out with kind of blue. And some people would, you know, fight me for this, but it's like, I listened to like, fusion miles davis and it just doesn't do it for me there's like all yeah. those uh cheap like kind of keyboard and like digital shit, and yeah. like i have one of his 80s records and, and like it, it I, just it, doesn't it, do it, it for me okay. you know it's, and it's like but could you could you imagine if that never i mean miles davis is always a legend will always be a legend but again it's like you kind of discount what they what maybe you know isn't the best Maybe takes a little bit of, it's like, I look at it as like a plus and minus column, right? Like yeah. if you only have pluses and then unknown, that's so much better than having even 10 pluses and then like four minuses on the other side because they're like, well, he had all those minuses in the eighties that sucked or set. Well, the bad news, the eighties, I don't know. The bad news gets more attention than any of the good news. So any of the, any of the, the shitty art will get more attention than the good art. And I think of it more like this person was launched into a career because of an inspiring record they had, you know, at some point. And then they were, it was like, this is your career now. Like, can you imagine we get, famous and then it's like everyone quits their careers like we all have careers it's like we yeah. all quit that and then we just have to make music and we do that for 20 years there's gonna be some bad music <laughs> and like yeah. i we're good songwriters we're great musicians we're good at what we do but like when you're just f have a deadline for writing a record i think that ex that changes the record so if they say hey bob dylan like you got to come out with a record every two years now that's your thing so it, it's not going to be fucking blowing like. in the wind it's not going to be whatever uh, i meant the song not the album obviously but like there is no album called that i know that i feel like the bob dylan fans are going to come for me so i'm always worried <laughs> like ever since i did the bob dylan goes electric like have fans come for you for that no i don't think they have but like i just know bob dylan fans are are you know intense this one's for our brother the only fans that have come at us really are the Charles Manson fans. Oh, we had to bring him so in. We had weird. to bring him yeah, in. Yeah, it's for our brother. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he still has fans. But uh, it's so weird. Like, we uh, we posted that episode, and the only negative comments we've ever gotten are people just talking about, like, he was railroaded by... <laughs> and we're That's just like, so bro. Nice. People are still... Chill. Yeah, let like, it go. Let it yeah. go. Insane. Like, anyhow. Um, well, we should probably um, wrap this up. We, we uh, really as we always say after these episodes, we're super appreciative of monophonics for allowing us to use our music. Um, we, uh, corresponded with, uh, you know, the kind of the people who handled the licensing. And, um, at first it wasn't, you know, they didn't accept for us to, to do it, at, um, for free. They call it, um, gratis, basically, you know, the Latin term Good for, it. yeah, for free basically is being able to use their music. Yeah. And, uh, I said, I kind of laid out what we were like, look, it's this is what podcast, we are. We're just yeah. a podcast. We're not making any money. We don't have sponsors. No. Like, we're just Let's doing it. 
we're doing it out of love. We're doing it out exactly. of love of the artist and for music, and that's pretty much it. Would you, you know, maybe reconsider? Is basically what I said. Oh, good and she for said, you. "I'll go to the artist directly and see if it's okay." And oh, she did, oh, and then she came back and said, "It's totally chill." That's so great. that means we got the okay from them Thanks, directly. Guys. So I want to extend a thank you to them for allowing us to do this because. I mean, all, kid- all kidding aside, we had a lot of, you know, sidebars where we <laughs> talk a bunch of... Don't we always? It's, it's how a conversation junk. goes. Like, you know, we're just... But really, we're... Sitting across from each other on a couch, chatting about <laughs> yeah. music at the end of the day um, yeah. with a little bit of a, a focus. Um, but really appreciative and like forward, uh, future-facing, as you said earlier, Monophonics is coming out with a new record in 2020. Um, in 2020. At least new singles. Like, we, we've gotten two new singles. I think they're coming out with a new record, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And um, so we're going to play a song off of it. And it's actually my favorite oh, wait, one. Before we, before we end, can I, can I say one thing that I found very exciting? Yes. Um, when I first pulled them up today to look them up uh, and to sort of start researching them, I found uh, that their next show is on March 14th, 2020 at Native Sons Hall in San Helena, California. You would have been there. Where Tom and I called home. I used to run by it. It's it's just off Main Street. It's like a block off Main Street. I think it's on, uh, oh shit, I can't remember the name of the street, but it's uh, it's it's like, it looks like an old church or something. Um, and they ha- they've had this fundraiser for like five years and it's a fundraiser for a uh, nursery school. Um, the California Honey Drops have played the same fundraiser and uh, it's called... Uh, old school dance party. And I remember seeing the flyers for it around St. Helena last year around the same time with a different band. And they always have like really fun, like dancing bands. Um, and I just, I guys, if you're listening, like go to St. Helena early, hang out, goose and go gander. to goose and gander. Um, it's walking distance. It's on spring street, go to Orin Swift and have some of their wine and say, what's up. Um, there's so much there's so much going on in St. Helena that's really adorable. Yeah, if they go to Goose and, and Gander and for sure. That's all you need is Goose and Gander. They have an underground get the bar. Or get the dry aged steak. Yeah. Um go the dry aged steak is a bit pricey, <laughs> but every bit worth it. Yeah, they're they're little like speakeasy style. I call it underground, that's not really right. I, but it's like their lower story bar is like where you want to go. I I made Amber go down there. She was like, It's so nice up here, like when we're up on the top. You know, the top story? is kind of like a living room and vibe. I was, like, yeah. I was like, can we please go downstairs? I was like, it's That's like a spot. ship's gully. Like, it, yeah, it's I like love it. so it's awesome. All wood. You get down there, yeah. she's like, it's kind of cold down here. I'm like, I know, but isn't it awesome <laughs> down here? Like, there's like a fireplace going oh, way far away it. from where we were, but like stone. I don't know. It, it's an awesome oh, place. I, we absolutely love that place. It's it's the best restaurant in the Napa Valley, and they should sponsor us. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. So yeah, so their next gig in St. Helena, which I think was so fun, because you know Tom and I lived there for a damn long time, and uh, even I lived there for a yeah. Minute. You lived there as well. Yeah. The whole band, most of the band, lived there basically, and uh, had quite a bit of creating and podcasting there. And that was where the podcast there. started. It is in Saint Helena. We yeah. yeah, and if you listen to our early podcasts, we're like live from Saint Helena. California. It was like it would be like storming and like crazy sometimes. Yeah, the weather there was intense yeah. and like, I don't know. I, there's a lot of things I miss about living in wine country. And one thing is uh, it's you're really aware of the seasons mostly because of the what the grapes are doing, like what the vines are doing. Like the vines are doing this in the spring and this in the fall and this in the summer. And, and it's like harvest time and everything's really alive. And like in the Bay Area, you don't, I think the monophonics will relate. You don't get a lot of the, seasons. The monophonics <laughs> drink. Oh, that was a, the monophonics. Oh no, sorry. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, I think monophonics. It's just, sorry. 
monophonics. No, people do the same shit with our name all the time. We get it. We get I, it. I think they'll agree. Um, anyhow, we Didn't can mean go to call their, you out there. But, it's okay. Um, uh, apparently, they have a huge fan base in Greece, and that's the last thing oh. I want to say. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I, I kept seeing that over and over again, and I didn't really look into it. But they've toured they, over there. They and were just as shocked as anyone else. They're like, we went to Greece, and like, we heard ourselves on the radio like seven times. Holy shit! And they're like, they played these giant rooms there, and they're like, they'd show up, and they'd be like, really? Like, could you imagine showing up to a giant ass room in a foreign country? Dude, Sweden, that's our spot. We gotta go to Sweden. And they're like. <laughs> and then you're just like okay and then you go out and get food and you come back and it's completely full just crazy and you're like are we opening for someone famous like what's happening anyway that's really cool thanks to or damn it now i did thanks to monophonics (laughs) now Um, we're even it's cool i'll edit mine out it's all good oh hey (laughs) (laughs) so rude so the last one we're gonna play is the new 2020 single it's only us i think it's coming off of a new record that should be coming out but um, I don't really know the details about it. But again, Monophonics. I don't know if they've released, I don't they've released a date, but it's going to be this year. Yeah. All right. Here's the last song I'm going to play by them today. It's called It's Only Us.
Yeah, that, I think that one is actually my favorite track that we played. Yeah. Uh, I think Bang Bang is the one that everyone is universally attracted to. That one, it sounds incredible. It does, but uh, from their perspective, I'm sure that if everyone said this is their favorite song of the monophonic or of monophonics, God damn it. I was uh, going to say we they had would three. Be, now we have, they four. would be, they would be upset. They'd be like, well, fuck, we didn't write that song. Like, can you imagine if we like recorded loves me tenderly or one of the cover songs we do? And everyone's like, that's the best one you guys do. It's like, well, fuck, what about our songs? And so I think like they have a ton of incredible original songs, but like what, what delighted me about listening to them was that their 2019, 2020 recordings were just like you said, some of my favorites where I was like, Oh, this is this rarity of this band that is actually getting more interesting and more authentic over time. Whoa. And not, not, you know, cause we have all these bands we love and they come out with one great album and then their second album's weird. And then they just start kind of like, I don't know, churning stuff out. And like, they're yeah. not doing that. This is very, gorgeous songwriting very thoughtful very uh authentic very interesting uh thoughtful recording process like it's 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 staying golden and staying what i really like about their their development is they went from kind of like more of and I don't want to say a jazz band because they're not a jazz band, but like no, we but all they're, grew they're up. they're musicians. We they're all trained up, musicians. We all grew up in jazz bands where yes. we have like this formula of this jazz chart. Right. And they felt very, um, in their earlier records, they felt very, you know, this is our chart. Right. And then when... Um, Kelly. When, what? The 2012 record oh, came out. Okay they started to focus more on songwriting and like yeah. this is a cohesive album of songwriting and now we want people to come for the lyricism and, yeah. the, and the vocal melodies and and they evolved and they were more you know like 60s psychedelic and then in their next record they're maybe a little bit more more 60s psychedelic with soul influences even but now in this new direction and this new record it's not you know, so different where you're like, I can't even listen to this band anymore. They, they've changed. Yeah. But they're more of like a gentle soul, almost like Al Green or something like that. Oh, they, I get strong you know what I mean? Al Green vibes. So listening to the song. they go yeah. from like hard soul yeah. to like more gentle soul, which I think is and so. That, that very like patient soul. I think of Al Green as like yeah. patient. Like he's never like rushing to the course. He's never like yeah. rushing to the big thing. He's like, I'm going to take my fucking time. And like, kind of uh-huh. like do, you know, like that's his yeah. whole style is like just kind of easing into everything. It's very yeah. sexy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Once again, big up. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I've literally never <laughs> said that. <laughs> well, that's a first. I've literally is, never said that in my life. Guys, but, do a podcast. You'll say all kinds of weird <laughs> thank shit. Thank you like, to Monophonics <laughs> for, for letting us uh, talk about them and use some of their tracks on this podcast. Um, and we're just going to f- wrap it up with a little bit of Radio Keys uh, news and updates. Radio Keys news. This is the Radio Keys news hour. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just turns <laughs> off. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so we have a we have an exciting show on Friday. We're uh, returning to Santa Cruz, California, to do. Uh, yeah, I did a little post um, about it on Monday. The last time Emily and I played Santa Cruz, we piled into the toyota camry and this was a <laughs> long time ago this Stuart, was like you full disclosure you posted that today and i was like when did we play santa Cruz? and i had to dig into the memory bank and then i remembered and we like 
anyway, carry on. But I, I it took me a it second. It was so long ago. We, we played like two songs. One of my and, good you know, buddies, again, for Curtis. people who listen to the podcast know I have a ridiculous Ultimate Frisbee background. And <laughs> a lot of my best friends are teammates I had through Ultimate Frisbee. And great I'm guys. Great people. And one of my best friends in the Ultimate community is uh, Curtis Warden, who also plays music. I was going to say, he like bridges that yeah. little... That little um, Just like Pat's fit. Fitzpatrick is another dude. Pat's fit, Patrick, Patrick Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Pat yes. Fitzpat. <laughs> Pat's fit, okay. I gotta Patrick stop. Fitzpat- <laughs> Love that guy. By the way, he hit us up. He wants us to play Stone Brewery. You he know, he's us. in a band with yeah. my ex coworker from Napa. I did not know. That. It's a whole yeah. story. I'll tell you. Anyway, it's a small fucking world. Shout out Patrick um, Fitzpatrick. So he. So uh. So yeah. So Curtis. So Curtis was my teammate, and I remember when I first tried out for the college team. I was like 21. I was older than most people. I was like smoking for it's funny five that you, were 20, years. you were 21 and you were older than I was, like, I was like smoking cigarettes for like four years you know i was yeah. like playing rock music drinking out of shape like not the uh the uh <laughs> not the uh person that you'd expect to come into a tryout and everyone would be like this is the guy you know and uh curtis was one of the first guys that walked up to me no, not one of the first guy that walked up to me and was just so kind and outgoing and awesome to me. He's a really kind person, yeah. And um, talked to me and immediately invited me out to places in Isla Vista when I didn't know anybody in Santa Barbara. That's huge. When you move to a new town, that and first person that reaches out is huge. Yeah, and that That's was huge. That was Curtis. And Aww. so. Everybody do that for people. Yeah. If you see a new person, reach out. Yeah. Invite him out for a drink. Like, it's so hard to move to a new town. It's and so hard. he ended up inviting me out, and then I understood he played guitar, and he realized I was in a band, and uh, we started playing music together. And then after we graduated, you know, years down the line, he was um, he was traveling Spain, but in between those crazy Spanish trips he was doing, he was staying with his parents in Aptos, California, which is like... Is that the house that we stayed in? Yeah, it's right next to Santa Cruz, and he invited us to play a show at like this random tiki bar in santa cruz yeah i remember no idea what it's called oh gosh no it was huge though it was like a giant like high ceilinged and there was a stage in the corner i I remember it now too i remember it being awkward booths it was a it was like it was like playing in a restaurant it was like playing at a it was a tiki bar yeah and like we ended up playing as a two-piece. This is before we met Alante. Like, I think Tom was fired at this point or something like that. We might have been <laughs> playing. To be honest, we might have been playing with the two-piece, but just done this. I or as a four. Sorry, as a as a full band, but then done this as a two-piece. I I don't remember, but I think it was before that. You think it was before yeah. we met Alante? Okay. Um. But yeah, I remember that. And then we we went and stayed with his uh with his parent with his family yeah and met his parents and he made the most perfect pancakes of all time in the morning yeah but what did we eat when we got home i feel like his his mom gave us leftovers of like mac and cheese or something like really amazing that. i just remember like i remember eating. we went out drinking she gave me wine we, like, and like walked, it was a good time we walked out of the house and like down to this view of like 
the whole i think it's like a santa cruz bay i think they have a bay oh there. wow i'm glad you remembered that because um, i just remembered that and we yeah. like were, were drinking and hanging out and there was some random girl there who was obviously interested in curtis and uh, we were like okay <laughs> <And> <laughs> we're like um, wingman anyway that was the hard. last time we played in santa cruz and that was so long ago so we're coming back and we're playing i want to say that was like 2013 or 2014 yeah, something like that yeah we're playing the blue lagoon um in santa cruz with champagne who is a very cool uh local rock and roll band in um santa cruz nice when tom and i were looking at bands to play with us in santa cruz uh we happened upon champagne through a recommendation and we listened to them and we were both like we like this band like nice and that doesn't happen a lot with uh like kind of random local bands every once in a while like yeah you know, it's okay or, you know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't grab you or make you go, oh, I kind of like this. But they were one of those bands that was like, I kind of like this. And oh, then, I'm excited. Uh, the other band, and now it sounds like <laughs> I don't feel this way about the other band, but I do. Uh, Louisville Lip was the other band. It's a great they name. Were, they were, um, that was, I feel like it was a nickname for like Muhammad Ali or something like Louisville that. Louisville Lip. Can you look that up for me? I like I it. Will. It was Louisville something for sure. I, I love a good I think, alliteration. I feel like yeah, because I, f- I remember looking up Louisville Lip and seeing something about Muhammad Ali. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue though? I, I like sense. names that just roll off, roll off the tongue. Yeah, and um, so they're going to be playing second, and then we'll headline the show. And nice. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, Amber and Holly, her friend Holly. Oh, I love her. Holly. She's and, been here. Yeah, and her boyfriend we rock, Charlie. We rock concerted out. with Holly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holly's great. And I think we watched Jeopardy <laughs> with her too. Yes. I feel like, right. yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> We're so that's, like, <laughs> that's this Friday. We'll be in Santa Cruz. Um, wish we could get an Airbnb. That would be really fun. But I, I asked the band and y'all wanted to drive home. So I we know. can change our minds. I, I'm in if maybe, you guys want. Maybe Amber and I will stay with Holly. Let's look, in, let's <laughs> we'll look into we'll it. it um, and then next. <laughs> so that's Friday night, the 29th. Uh, nope. The 21st. No, the 21st, yeah. The 21st? 21st. And then next Saturday, we're the playing 29th. in... The 29th. Next Saturday is the 29th? Yeah. We're playing in uh, San Francisco at... Ireland's Ireland 32. 32. Ireland's... Is that an Irish bar? Uh, it's yes. gotta be, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was be. a dumb joke. Um, so we're playing there. And They're then, actually uh, um, booked by the same people who booked Neck of the Woods. So they reached great. out to me after we played the neck of the woods and they're like, do you want to play Ireland's at any point? And we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's see what it's about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, after that, we're pretty much going to, I think, take a little break to write some songs, Early do some March, podcasts. Yeah. We have about three new original songs that we're working on as a full band. And I think we're going to get probably two or three, uh, cover tunes that we're going to start working on too. And then, um, after that we're playing, uh, our South Coast tour. We haven't really come up with a name with it yet, but um, for Central? those who don't know, the Central Coast, a lot of people call the part that Santa Barbara's on the South Coast because California, kind of the shape of California, the it coast. Cuts in. Yeah, it cuts um, eastward, and uh, that coast is now facing towards the south. Right. So, so they call South it the coast. South Coast. 
Um, I didn't know that was a thing until 20 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah well, well, cause you always call, I, I am a Northern California person, Barry in my whole life, basically besides like a stint in New York. And like, I'm like, Oh, Santa Barbara is so Cal. And you were quick to be like, no, no, no. It's central coast. Yeah. Central coast. So I think of it as central coast. So when you said so, like, what do you call it again? South coast. South I coast, was, I yeah. was like, Ooh, it, it just sounds wrong in my head, but because it sounds wrong, it's like you said, it's interesting. So yeah. know, we can do something with that. So we'll figure it out, but we're playing uh Morro Bay on that Thursday, with the big rock, um, the 20th. Oh, sorry. Not 20th. I'm looking at the wrong calendar. The this 19th. is in March. The 19th. Yeah. And then we're going back to uh Dargan's in Santa Barbara on the 20th. And then we're looking to play uh Bakersfield, on the 21st we're still um kind of working on ironing out the details yeah but it's gonna be uh gonna be a good time all right so that's pretty much it for radio keys news um so yeah we got tom over there thank you for engineering this cutting in every once in a while oh yeah that's really (laughs) really helpful and amazing (laughs) what i say earlier i want to Big ups to Tom. <laughs> big, ups, <laughs> big ups to Tom. It's you said it was the first time you ever said that. Yeah. Everyone already knew that it was the first time you had it's ever said that. Definitely yeah. not the first time. I feel like 2002. Big Stuart ups to Emily probably over here. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm Stuart. I'm Emily. And we're gonna That's keep Tom. searching for this sweet, sweet soul, soul music. music.